Welcome to Heart to Heart with Michael, featuring your host, Michael Lieben. Our program is designed to empower the bereaved community with information and stories from those who have suffered the most terrible loss. Michael Lieben, himself a bereaved father, will be meeting with people from around the world to share and to draw hope from their experiences. And now, here is Michael Lieben. Welcome, friends, to the fourth episode of the first season of Heart to Heart with Michael, a program for the bereaved community. Our purpose is to empower bereaved members of our community with resources, support, and advocacy information. Today's show is Hope for Healing a Family. Here with us today to discuss this topic is our guest, Susie. Susie is a 12-year cancer survivor and the mother of two children. She has a son and a daughter, both in their 30s. Her daughter, in spite of being a cancer survivor herself and having chemo treatments, had outmaneuvered what the oncologist told the family and gave birth to a healthy boy five years ago. Susie's daughter continued to defy the doctors when she became pregnant the second time, approximately two years later. Isabel was born just a week early and with one of the most common congenital heart defects, TGA, transposition of the great arteries. Isabel's parents made the heart-wrenching decision to remove life support 12 hours after birth. In recent years, Susie has been working as a home hospice caregiver. So Susie, thank you very, very much for coming to Heart to Heart with Michael. It is a pleasure to speak with you. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We're going to get right to it. Can you tell us what kind of cancer you had and what kind of cancer your daughter had? And was there maybe a genetic component? Uh, no, um, they thought possibly with mine, but um, I don't believe so. It was uh, all of the female organs, uterine, cervical, ovarian. What did your daughter have? Uh, my daughter had uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, she is also in remission. And she's doing fine. How old was she when they discovered Hodgkin's? Because I know that's fairly curable. Uh, right. Uh, she was 24, but because of the, well, uh, because of the um, healthcare system, she did not go in for a diagnosis right away. Uh, she was unemployed, and she wanted to be insurable and not have that diagnosis of uh, cancer. Um, so she did uh, find a position as part-time uh, and then went into full-time. Um, and uh, they were very kind at the corporation that she was working at. And they uh, upped the uh, eligibility for her insurance. So she was able to get on her insurance and have the treatment. Uh, but because of that weight, uh, she had gone into a 3D stage. Mm-hmm. Um and so she was, you know, very close to being unrealistically um, terminal. It was, it was just very scary. But, but she's out. fine now. Yes, it yeah. is. Uh, she worked out fine. Everything came out great. What did the doctors tell her about the possibility that she might have children or not have children? Uh, they told all of us. Uh, uh, her father and I were with her, uh, and there was uh, two of the oncologists were in there uh, with us, and they both said that uh, she would most probably not ever um, conceive because the uh, chemo uh, kills the eggs. And uh, with her being so young and she was not married at the time, um, and we just didn't think it would be possible. And so we were very happy and so blessed and so pleased that, uh, you know, she was pregnant with a very rambunctious five-year-old boy. 
Were you scared when name of the of the tank? <laughs> He's a big were you, boy. <laughs> were you scared when when she became pregnant? Is it not unknown territory? No, not at all. Mm-mm, no, I was not. I was not concerned about that at all. Uh, I was not even concerned about the health of the baby. Um, I was just uh, I trust in God, and uh, I knew it was going to be all right. And you know, faith goes a long way. That's amazing that you didn't even consider the the, um, the possible health of the baby. I guess I guess you know just the joy of being able to do something that you thought you couldn't do would be like. Oh yes, exactly. Yes, and we were, and she <laughs> she was incredible. She didn't even act like she was pregnant unless you looked at her, and it was like, oh, she is pregnant. But <laughs> yes, yeah, she, she didn't even act. You know, she had no symptoms or anything, none of the nausea or anything. She was just great. It was like, wow. What an easy peasy kind of a pregnancy. It's like, I want one of those, <laughs> or I wanted one of those. <laughs> I guess um, she got decent support then um, from the medical community. They were there, they were sort of watching, they were close by. Uh, yes, uh-huh. she had a wonderful uh, obstetrician, and her uh, pediatrician was great. Everything, and everything went fine. It was. Um, uh, her husband was wonderful. Her brother and I were there for her um, constantly. Uh, you know, I took care of him for the first two or three years of his life. And uh, she had to go back to work, unfortunately. Was an oncologist on board? I mean, during the pregnancy, was there somebody from that world keeping an eye or it just didn't? Well, because of her, the cancer that she had had been, um, it had it had been not treated for such a long time, and so um, she is. Um, she still has the uh, gallium whole body um, scans that are done every six months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they keep a very strict, close eye on her. You know, to make sure everything's going fine with her. And in fact, the first pregnancy just went swimmingly, and everything was fine. Exactly. And so, um, you know, when she got pregnant the second time, you know, the first time we were just, everybody was ecstatic. Of course, the second time, everybody was ecstatic again and really surprised. Um, right. We were just grateful to have one grandchild. I was I was very happy to have one grandchild. Um, and to have two, it was like, wow, this is great. I'm, I'm literally on cloud nine. And um, we were all just so excited, and uh, wow. Strangely enough, time is absolutely zipping along, and we're going to have to take a short break here. But I want everybody to stay close, because when we get back, we're going to be talking more with Susie about losing that second grandchild and changes that took place in the family. And perhaps we're going to take a little look into the future to see what's in store. Hi, I'm John Montez of NBC's hit acapella show, The Sing-Off. In acapella music, it takes a team to create a sound that many will enjoy, just like it'll take a team to help my good friend Miles Schweitzer, an HLHS survivor. Let's help Miles fulfill his dream and make a big enough sound to bring awareness to congenital heart disease. Please visit him at GoFundMe.com backwards slash The Miles Project. Miles with the Y. Again, that's GoFundMe.com The Miles Project. This is for Miles. Heart to Heart with Michael is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. 
If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. sharing a very valuable gift with so many people throughout the country and internationally. To create a framework for the long-term follow-up of children and young adults. I am Anna Jaworski and the host of Heart to Heart with Anna. Join us on Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time on Spreaker, our blog talk radio. We'll cover topics of importance for the congenital heart defect community. Remember, my friends, you are not alone. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our program, please send an email to Michael Lieben at michael at hearttoheartwithmichael.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Michael. Welcome back to Heart to Heart with Michael. Today we're talking with Susie, the mother of a cancer survivor and grandmother of two miracle babies, one who sadly was lost to a congenital heart defect. So Susie, first of all, what was it like with your daughter after she survived cancer? Uh, afterwards, it was uh, probably, I don't know how we could, how I can say that we were closer, but it seemed like we were, uh, I guess, just going through something like that. Um, first with my cancer, and then she had cancer um, just a little while later. We were just very happy, uh, just a very good mother and daughter relationship. It was wonderful to have an adult daughter, you know, mm. all the different stages of having a uh, a daughter, um, you know, we both truly enjoyed each other's company. Um, I can remember even at 15, she, we were in the kitchen and we had all the, all the boys were in the uh, family room and she said, you know, mama, what's it going to be like when you're 90 and I'm 60? Well, are we still going to be calling them the boys? And I said, yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> they're always going to be the boys. <laughs> the boys Something are always changed, the boys. <laughs> exactly, they don't. <laughs> so when she got pregnant a second time, was that a major surprise? And what does that mean when you say she outmaneuvered her doctors? Well, just because uh, they told us rather implicitly, uh, ex- explicitly rather, uh, that she, uh, she just would most probably never get pregnant. She would never, ever conceive. Uh, so not only did she conceive, uh, we had this wonderful little tank of a little baby boy uh, as a result. <laughs> it was just but wonderful. Did, did they tell her not to? Did they advise her it was a bad idea? Or they just said it wasn't likely to happen for you? It was probably not going to happen for her that she, uh, because of the chemo, that it does kill the uh, eggs of a woman um, and with her being so young. um, And she was not married at the time. Um, So, you know, she was always wanted to have children. Mm -hmm. So it was a horrible blow to all of us. Um, I was happy that she survived, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd much rather have that. Um, But at the same time, you know, Things happen in life we just have no control over. Uh, so it was very much of a miracle when she turned up and it was like, Mama, I think I'm pregnant. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> so we all did that dance around the Maypole on that day. <laughs> we were all very excited and very happy. 
And and in fact, things did go very well with the first one. So, what was that like when she was pregnant the second time, and then it, it, the news was not so good? Tell us a little bit about being pregnant the second time, because well, Isabel was born only a week early, so um, everything was looking good. Oh yeah, absolutely. And we had no sign um, that there to expect anything to be um, um, misconnected or or anything anything that there was any problem of any kind. Uh, again, she had an easy peasy pregnancy. Um, just kind of glided through it. Um, didn't have any of the telltale signs that so many of us go through. Um, probably she was more tired, but that was about it. Um, very understandable she was tired. She had this tank of a little boy running around, plus she was pregnant and working. Um, so, she, yeah, she was tired. Um, but we were all celebrating because here we, we've got, you know, number two on the way. And who knows after that. So when number two was born, when Isabel was born, things did not go well. She had TGA. And what happened then? Well, um uh, right away, uh, when she was born, she was blue, um, mm-hmm. and so right away they whisked her off. Um, uh, she was blue, blue, um, and they whisked her off, and uh, life flighted her to uh, uh, the hospital here, mm-hmm. uh, Children's Hospital, uh, and Dad went with uh, the baby and with Isabel, and... Um, the family was racing around the, the town trying to get everybody together and trying to get to the hospital where the baby was at. And What did they do? Did they do a procedure? Uh, yes, they did do uh, uh, an emergency, and I, I, don't, I can't remember right now uh, what it was called, but it, where right. they did try to uh, reverse the effects mm-hmm. of the uh, transposition. Um, you know, unfortunately, they said that she had been without oxygen for way too long. But she did turn pink for a short time. Yes, I, I, I've got one. The one picture that we all have of her is the pinkest that she was at. And she looked pretty pink. But, you know, that was after the surgery. It was right after the surgery. Um, but then um, she began to fail right away. Mm-hmm. She had surgery. It looked good. It didn't look good. And then right. we talked about a heart wrenching decision. What what did they what were they what were they going through? What were they thinking? Well, because uh, uh, they, you know, everybody was, of course, distraught uh, because mm-hmm. you go from such heights of mm-hmm. hope and happiness to, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Um, and everybody knew that this was not a quality of life that anybody would want to put on any other human being, um, certainly not on your child. Uh, she would not have had any type of a life. She would have been a complete vegetable um, because of the, um, there was no, just no brain activity. Mm. Um, and um, so it, it's heart wrenching to know that you are the one that's deciding because of the medical advances that we have made. Mm. But at the same time, you know, it, well, you said decided. there's no activity. Was was she already brain dead by the time they they made that decision? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, you know, things had gone uh, from a little hopeful to very bad very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just was here for with us for uh, twelve hours. Twelve hours, her entire life. 
Yeah. Very short life. In only 12 hours, you became very, very connected to her. I saw what you wrote about her. And she was very important to you um, as a granddaughter. She was important as a daughter. And 12 hours to a lot of people doesn't seem like a long time. But to those of us who have been there, it's a whole, it is literally a whole, a, an entire lifetime. And mm-hmm. the, the loss is, is incomprehensible to anybody who hasn't been there, I think. Exactly. And and that is that uh, that poet that I wrote um, that you have. Um, that is truly how I felt. Uh, that just came right out of me. <laughs> um, and We've all been there. We've all done that. We've all written that. I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's something very close to it, <laughs> because there is no end to it. Well, we have to go to a break. Okay. And I want to thank you for coming here to Heart to Heart with Michael and opening up to us about your family and how you're coping with that loss of Isabel. I know that many families have struggled as you have and will gain strength from the sharing with us. So please, everybody, stay close. In our final segment, we're going to talk about Susie's relationships that were affected by Isabel's passing and what hope there is for healing in that family. And that story when we come back. Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. Did you know that most men suffer from beard itch, ingrown hairs, and a dry face all because they're not using the right shaving tools? At woodraiser.com, we sell handmade heirloom quality badger hair brushes that exfoliate the skin, open the pores, and stimulate hair follicles, which gives a gentleman a closer, more comfortable shave and a clean face. Visit our website, woodraiser.com, where you can learn more about men's skincare and check out our professional shaving tools. A perfect gift for your man, built to last for generations. That's W-O-O-D-R-A-Z-O-R dot com. When I saw so many of these CHG groups growing, I found family just ready to join me. Anyone who is a member of the adult congenital heart defect community can be a guest on our show. We have a great year planned and we look forward to sharing other interesting topics Heart to Heart with Nicole and David, serving the ACHD community, Wednesdays at noon Eastern. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Michael's program, please email him at michael at hearttoheartwithmichael.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to our program, Heart to Heart with Michael. Today we're talking with bereaved grandmother Susie. She's the grandmother of baby Isabel, who died shortly after being born with a critical congenital heart defect. We're going to talk to Susie now about the changing relationships in her family, and we're going to take a look at the future. So why don't you start by telling me, how did losing Isabel affect your relationship with your daughter? Losing Isabel uh, affected my relationship with my daughter uh, dramatically. Uh, We 
had always been very close and talked every day and saw each other every day. We had always been there for each other mm-hmm. and comforted each other and had been there when others had not been uh, through uh, throughout the whole time that she was growing up and with the, bo- the boys, quote-unquote. Um, so with the insistence of her husband... Um, that relationship changed uh, dramatically, and we no longer had contact for a very long time. Uh, well, how did that things was, change? How, how did that happen? My son-in-law had decided that um, it was my responsibility that Isabel was born the way she was born. Did he give a reason for that? He believes that it's because of the uh, argument that... Christine and I had had when she was about four to six weeks pregnant with Isabel. And that, that somehow magically caused the arteries to transpose? Yes. Yes. So what happens now? What happens now or how far away do you live? Are you in contact? Uh, we live probably, I would say, about an hour away, um, mm-hmm. which is not that far by any means. But she decided... Luckily and happily, uh, very excitedly, uh, she had decided that um, Bryson needed to have his grandmother in his life. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to get together um, right around my birthday, um, this last uh, in October of 2016. And it was wonderful. So it was a bridge that we uh, started at that point. Mm-hmm. Um you know, because I've, I've always kept in contact with Bryson as far as cards and presents and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still was not even having contact with, uh, you know, my little tank. What I see is that there's um, a family unit that's very tight, that both parents work. <clears throat> there's a small child. Grandmother comes and helps. Are, were you living closer to them then at the time? Uh, just a little bit closer, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So everything is good, and then suddenly everything is not so good. Um, the father, for whatever magical reason, decides that it's your fault. Um, I'm assuming at that point that your daughter had to make a decision who to be with. Right. <laughs> and I, I understand the decision that she made. Uh, a lot of people have to do that. And unfortunately, it lasted a lot longer than what um, I certainly would have wanted it to. It was not only the loss of Isabel, but I lost her mm-hmm. mother also. Mm-hmm. And I lost my son-in-law and my and grandson. Was there any contact? I mean, I understand that you sent cards and, and gifts, you know, on birthdays and Christmas and whatnot. But are you? Was, did you call her? Did you try to call? Did they try to call you or just completely cut off? Uh, no, I, I did. You know, at first, of course, I did try to call. I would write um, and uh, kept on being told. Um, not to uh, expect really? anything in return. Yeah, it's straight out, like leave us alone, kind of thing. Well, not coming from my daughter. Uh, just she would um, just not respond. Um, mm-hmm. And then I did hear, uh, even at the funeral, um, he had already made this decision. Uh, I was not to speak to him at the funeral. Did you think this is sort of some sort of temporary anger that he would clearly get over, or? Yes, I did. Uh, and so it surprised me that it lasted for any period of time, you know, more than just a, a few months. But uh, it's lasted now for several years. 
Wow. How um, many years? Well, it's been about two years, two and a half years. And your grandson now is seven? No, he he's five now. He's five now. Okay, so this happened when he was three. He had right. a grandmother, and suddenly he didn't have a grandmother. And Right. Who well. he had a grandmother every day, because <laughs> I was the one that took care of him. Well, so you travel almost an hour every day to be there and be back. Wow. Oh, yeah. So did he? does he ever call you now and say something like, where are you, or I miss you, or anything like that? Uh, well, we had a wonderful time. My son uh, set up uh, a time for us to go in where you build bears. <laughs> at the okay. mall and we had lunch and it was great but we didn't build bears we built um uh, oh dragons it was great of course of, <laughs> of course. course of course we did dragons he's a take Why build so a of bear? course we build a dragon of course i know dragons are more cool so right. that's what we did and so you uh, had a cool day you had a cool day with your grandson and what happened after that uh, well we have still kept in contact but i have not seen him yet um uh, which, of course, though, I I have all the faith that I will again, certainly, and that uh, we will get close again. I want to um, I, I want to ask you something because I, I, I seem to remember you told me something once there was um, a phone call. Your daughter called up and said, you know, the boy needs a grandmother or something like that. Is it, did, mm-hmm. am, I, am I remembering correctly? Uh, yes. Uh-huh, that uh, she um had said that you know he it's time for him to have a relationship with his grandmother and so of course you know she did discuss it with uh, her husband um mm. and so he gave the okay um so that's an improvement right there you and think maybe I, he, he's softening up a little bit i certainly hope so i certainly hope so you know we're getting close to the end and i and i'd like to close this with a big scoop of hope uh, i get oh, the there feeling is- that yeah Tell me more about that. Well, I just feel that there is tremendous hope. When, you know, there is life, there's hope. All of us have hope. If you don't have hope, the, I, I don't know how you can live. There has to be hope. There's always a sliver of hope somewhere, somehow. There is there is that. I, I have tremendous faith that she and I will be close again, that I will be close again to my son-in-law and to my grandson. I know that I will. I just want to say that I've known you now for, for quite some time. And um, what we've talked about tonight is only a small portion, I think, of some of the trials and tribulations in your life. And I think you must be a tremendously optimistic person. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think that your optimism is going to carry you through this. And I'd love for you to come back on the program sometime soon and tell me how wonderful everything is and how you just went out and had like three-day vacation with the family and, and how great it was. <laughs> I, I think, will too, yeah. <laughs> and I uh, absolutely, absolutely. We might even come and visit Uncle Michael. That sounds great because I'm pretty <laughs> okay. far away. I know, <laughs> but it's a great <laughs> happily, excuse, you know, to travel. <laughs> <laughs> happily, this concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Michael. Again, I want to thank you, Susie, for sharing with us uh, the hope of your story, and hopefully that you've been able to broadcast some of that hope to people who are listening. Unfortunately, I think it's not uncommon for families to be atomized or at least be hurt, seriously hurt by uh, by this kind of loss. It's appealing to me and hopeful to me to see you. I can hear you smiling. I am smiling, actually. And I can hear it. And I think that's great. So uh, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for having me, Michael. Everybody who's listening, please join me or the Heart to Heart with Michael team in Pal Talk every week following our program. And I'll be with you soon. And until then, remember, it's okay to breathe.
thank you again for joining us. We hope you have gained strength from listening to our program. Heart to Heart with Michael can be heard every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next time when we'll share more stories. If you would like to continue today's discussion, please join us right after the program in the Hug Podcast Chat Room on Pal Talk. 